the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. That spirit of healing, I believe, is here this morning began for me out in the foyer when Andy prayed for me in the foyer. My heart was going over time and, uh, and I believe it was a healing moment there, Andy. Yeah, it basically got back into rhythm and uh, I was going to sit but I'm going to stand for this. So, hey, I didn't know if I'd even make it this morning. So God is good. God is good. So if that was for you, that prayer of healing, just continue to walk in it, claim it. And keep thanking him for it. I think that's the key, isn't it? To give thanks for the healing. And uh, even if we don't have it in full, we still thank him for the fullness of it. Uh, just another little piece of news. We've got a lovely letter from, uh, uh, from Nathan and Izzy, who are now living in Germany, who were with us for, for some years here, fellowshipping. Uh, and uh, Nathan's, just in, in a real nutshell, Nathan's off uh, at... Uh, language school and in there he's the only christian amongst the whole room of muslims he's making real inroads and getting to know some of them he's even taking one home having one-on-one time with this guy he's learning their culture and what um, they believe and it's just a really encouraging letter we'll put it on the notice board so you can read it all but their little girl joy is a joy and they're being making a big impact and her family, Izzy's family, bringing them together. So isn't that wonderful? And there's clipboards for the kids, if anyone wants those. Hey, we're working through, we've been working through Colossians, and uh, today we're sort of taking a little bit of a different direction. The last verse of the book of Judges says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Judges 21 verse 25. Does that sound a little bit familiar for our culture? (laughs) There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So as I said, we signed off our journey through Colossians last week, and I clearly felt the Lord say we were to begin to unpack the book of Judges over the coming month or so. In Colossians, we discovered that the early church began to drift away from the gospel. Despite all their initial enthusiasm, signs and wonders, they just had this propensity for straying from sound doctrine and teaching, failing to keep the main thing the main thing, which was the message that Jeremy brought to us last Sunday. Keeping the main thing the main thing was a struggle for the Colossians. Paul and others uh, <clears throat> preached Christ to them powerfully, uh, you know, with great power. But in their absence, as they moved uh, or were taken, as Paul was to prison, uh, they, they er- error did creep in for the people of Colossians. And Paul was forced to self-isolate in prison for preaching the gospel. And he was restrained by physical chains but he never allowed his spirit to be bound. I think that's a great word for us today, isn't it? Even though we might have isolation or 
restrictions, our spirit is not bound. We discovered timeless keys in Colossians for getting through tough times from Paul's advice, realizing that we too could encourage others uh, in years to come even through the power of the pen, through what we write down, could encourage others in the future. Who knows what this time in history could do down the track for young believers who have never suffered. So why Judges? Why the book of Judges? Well, I have a real sense that God is wanting to challenge us in this season uh, concerning our attitude towards, I guess, one another at a time when, we, when what we see depends on where we stand on current issues. And there are two <coughs> seemingly opposite scriptural principles that as followers of Christ that we hold in constant tension. And the first one is one of standing up against evil and idolatry, even if it means going against the crowd at times. That's sort of a, a theme that does run through Scripture, standing up against evil, coming against the, the um, injustices of what maybe what society is doing in that, that age. The second is remaining in submission to God and God's appointed authority. We have these two things. They're almost in tension, you know, to, to, to stand up against evil and to submit to God and to his godly representatives. You know, recent mandates have made achieving this balance much harder. Is it even possible to achieve this? I believe it is. If we look to Jesus who held both values in perfect union. You see, the same Jesus who prayed in the garden, my, not my will be done, but thine to his Father, when it really mattered, was the same Jesus who made a whip and drove out the rip-off agents out of the temple. He was humble, zealous, and bold, all in one. I was quite proud of uh, our son Jason. Um, he was playing with the kids on Waihi Beach a bit earlier this year. And uh, all of a sudden, this very large, noisy, sort of land cruisery four-wheel drive thing came within meters of them down the beach in a great hurry. And the guy does a Yui and backs in to help his mate uh, rescue his boat and trailer out of the surf. Jason sort of rose up with a bit of righteous indignation and a bit of Holy Spirit zeal. And he goes over, taps on the window. Oi, <laughs> do you realize there were children playing there? <laughs> and he, he gave the guy a real lecture about speed and closeness to children playing. I was quite pleased with that. You know, if you know Jason, that's not kind of normal. <laughs> As we begin this series, uh, looking at some of the judges of Israel, we quickly identify that the people they were leading were neither zealous or humble. You see, after the death of Joshua, at the beginning of, of the book of Judges, many lost their zeal for the mission of eradicating evil from the promised land. They settled for compromise and made covenants with those God had told them not to make deals with. They married foreign women. Another no-no. 
They began worshipping other gods, which was just a huge offence to the true God. And it's easy to think, you know, that they lost their way almost immediately. But actually, if we work it out with the number of years each judge judged Israel, and there was a lot of overlap because some judged the north and some the south, this time frame was over 200 years. That's a long time to stay zealous, humble, and hungry for God, isn't it? These days, that would be perhaps six, seven, or even eight generations. So as judges is very relevant to what is happening right now and, and the right follow-on from Colossians, I believe. Are we any different to the church at Colossae? Are we any different in here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, church, scene, to the land of Israel under the leadership of judges? That's why I've called this message, what you don't confront will dominate you. What you don't confront will dominate you. In many ways, life during the time of the judges was cyclical. The people would repent, turn back to God under inspired leadership, ditch their old evil practices for a while, win some battles, defeat some enemies, only to turn back to idol worship, apathy and sin again in good times until God raised up another leader. When God, you know, saw this cycle, he must have got tired of it, got grieved with it. But we see in the book of Judges that he just continues his faithfulness to these people and keeps raising up new leaders. And we're going to look at one of those leaders in a few moments. Unlike the days of Moses and Joshua, Israel really had lost sight of its purpose. You see, without purpose or vision, people lose hope for a better future. Without purpose, we simply go to work, eat, watch TV, sleep, get up and do it all over again. God wants more from his people. Amen. He wants more from us. Yeah, many of our plans have had to have been altered and scuttled recently. But as God's people, let's get creative. Let's get creative. We can still reach people for Christ in a pandemic. We can join the list of hope booklet deliverers. We can buy someone's food for them. We can hang out with your non-saved neighbors. Disciple a new believer one-on-one. -on -one. Turn your work into a mission field. This is our time to shine, church, when many have lost hope. Let's not lose our hope like the people in the book of Judges. So let's read Judges 6, if you want to open your, your word to Judges 6. And we're going to read the first few, first few verses and then pause. And let's just get a reality check, perhaps. <laughs> and I shouldn't really say on what real hard times are, because your hard time is important to us. But let's just get a real reality check on how things were for the people of Israel at this time. Chapter 6, verse 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midianites, 
seven years. And the power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown, that's actually physical sowing, that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce. Are you getting this? Here's this crop just, just about ready to eat. And they'd destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, no ox and no donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come in like locusts for number. Amy knows all about cricket plagues <laughs> a few years ago. They came in like locusts. Both they and their camels were immune, innumerable. And they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Israel was in a real slump. A really low place. Some of us here might be feeling that today. They're in a low place where they seem, there seemed to be no escape. There was just, what could ever be strong enough to get rid of these guys? From, from this intentional destruction of their food and their animals. They just felt powerless to defend what was their annual livelihood. It was do or die. And they found themselves even living in caves for fear of attack. This was not God's vision for his people. But if we look back to verse 1, we realize they chose to do evil. And they didn't get rid of the Midianites when they could have. Had they obeyed God? Last year, or it might have been the year before, I can't remember, we had a, yeah, it was two years ago, we had a, a we had four-wheel drive vehicle tracks all through our maize crop. Some guys had just decided to mow down the maize with their bumper just before harvest. And uh, this was a, a crop grown off farm for bringing home to supplement the cow's diet. And the lost maize was hugely disappointing, but probably more than that was just the fact that it sort of felt so, so pointless and, yeah, almost personal. But Aaron and I had no way to confront these offenders. They're long gone. But they returned and started to ruin our annual grass. And my neighbour, being a good neighbour, just rang the police and they got arrested. <laughs> so <laughs> they were confronted, but see, poor old Gideon and, and, and all the people of, of, of Israel didn't have a police to ring at that moment. And, you know, basically we were just talking a supplement. This was their life and death. This was their food for the year. It's amazing how much it takes to turn people's heart back to God when their love for him has grown cold, eh? Even Proverbs says that. But God can use trials, disappointments, and even enemies to win us back and to test our hearts. 
Let's read verse 7 and 8 and carry on with the story. Verse 7 and 8. Now, to, now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian. Good, good move. Crying out to the Lord. Good thing to do. That the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, It was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. And he continues on. I'm not going to read it all, but he's, he just reminds, reminds, reminds them of what he's done for them. See, you know, God hears their cry and he has a solution. But he needs to make sure that they own their mistakes. Let's read verse 10. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not obeyed me. You see, he's reminding them to take ownership. It was actually their choices that brought this on. Is it time for us to get real with God today and own our own mistakes, perhaps? I have to confess that I hate confrontation, but I know it's necessary for me and for others to grow. See, taking the easy option, you know, letting sleeping dogs lie sort of thing, can mean a word, world of pain down the track. And as it was for the Israelites, yeah, they just brought it on themselves. Let's hear God's answer to their cry for help, and this is cool. This is God's ultimate best way forward. This is God's number one plan. He sends an angel to the most timid and fearful man in Israel. <laughs> That's God's plan. I'm going to send an angel to the most timid and fearful guy in the land. Wow, that's our God. <laughs> when the angel turns up, he finds this man, Gideon, hiding, threshing wheat in a wine press. And they were generally a pit, and he probably even had a lid over the top because of the fear of being seen with a tiny ration of food. So let's read verses 11 to 14 and, and, and find this story from here. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Oprah. Oprah? Oprah? Yeah, it's not the lady that's on TV. Which belonged to Joash, the uh, Abizarite, as his son Gideon was bearing wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midians. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. O valiant warrior. Whoa. I love the O. <laughs> o valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. How many times do we pray that kind of prayer? God, where's my miracle? Have you abandoned me? And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? 
Wow, what a calling for this most fearful guy in Israel. What did the Lord see in Gideon? Gideon was not super smart. He wasn't a natural leader. He wasn't muscly like Tapu. <laughs> he was a farmer. But God called him O Valiant Warrior. Whoa. Was God blind to Gideon's flaws? Not at all. Seeing ourselves how God sees us is so difficult because God looks past the obvious and sees our heart. Our faults are so evident to us, but his plan is to use each one of us in ways that are beyond our imagination. But there's one condition. We need to surrender the stronghold now, I want, I want you to get this. We need to surrender the strongholds of thoughts we've constructed about ourselves and our abilities. See, we've each constructed little thoughts about ourselves and we just hold on to those because, well, I could never do that. No, I'm not one of those sort of people. I can't do that. I can't do this. And that's the good things and the bad things about us. We, we have to break those down, those thoughts. By faith, we need to release those thoughts and get new thoughts about ourselves based on his vision for us. And we'll only see the potential within us once we surrender our mind and gain the mind of Christ. Jesus had a habit of changing people's names. He said to Simon, you are now Peter, which means rock. What things are in your too hard basket today? What things do you think that's impossible? Is it working out your marriage or an ex-partner, your finances, troubles at work, troubles with the kids? Maybe you had to drag yourself to church this morning kicking and screaming. Maybe you're watching this at home, feeling lonely and depressed. Have you allowed raiders into your soul like the people of Israel? John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, I love this, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. See, let Jesus, let Jesus sit down under your oak tree today. Look past all the excuses and mistakes you've made and let him restore what the enemy has stolen. Then allow him to give you a new name, yay, a new hope and a renewed passion to serve him. I love the account of the healing of the paralyzed man that was lowered through the roof by his friends in Matthew 9, 1 to 8. Don't you think that's cool to have four friends willing to dig up a roof? Hey? That speaks highly, firstly, that he had some mates. Jesus was willing to confront the legalism of the Pharisees. You see, Jesus confronted 
but he did it in the right way. He was willing to confront the legalism of the Pharisees head on in order to get to the man's real issue. Guilt was this man's unseen enemy. And Jesus identifies his need for forgiveness as being greater than his need for physical healing. Did you catch that? He sees the need for forgiveness greater than the need for physical healing. He says, first of all, take courage. Your sins are forgiven. And there's a gasp goes around the room. No man can forgive sins. Then later he healed his body. He did this knowing full well it would upset the religious spirits in the room. But the man's heart was more valuable than their approval. Jesus was willing to confront evil in order to be free from its domination. It would take some time before poor old Gideon would be ready to confront the thieving Midianites that should have been eradicated years before, if only that obeyed God. But we'll pick that story up next week. Summing up then, we learn so much about the God, character of God from today's scripture. So much. When we mess up, there are consequences. And sometimes the hurt lasts generations. Despite this, God hears genuine cries for help. We used to have your little new Christians come to our prayer meeting on the last day of Easter camp years and years ago. And one day there was this little 13-year-old said, Lord, help me. That was the most precious prayer. Do you think God heard that? It came from her heart. She could turn back all the hurt and maybe see generations go right from that moment on. Who knows? God hears our genuine cries for help and our deepest pain. We can turn this thing around. We can turn history around. He sees past the exterior. He gives us a new name. He doesn't always choose the smartest, bravest, or best-looking people to get the job done. What we don't confront will dominate us until we learn to fight on our knees, being in complete submission to Christ, the perfect example of passive resistance and spirit-filled zeal. The challenge ahead of us is to confront the wrongs the Lord shows us to confront without losing our grace. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just really thank you for this portion of Scripture where we see your character revealed in hearing people's cries for help even when it was their own choice. And Lord, we learn that you can... Use anyone, including enemies, to test us, see what we're made of, to bring us back to you. So, Lord, we do just um, submit again to that 
perfect will of God in our life. Lord, we just want you to be in charge. We want you to be our vision. We want your new name over us, spoken over and over again. And we just want to hang on to that, oh, valiant warrior thing, and just realize you've got bigger things than we could ever imagine, and that you love us too much to let us just do the same old, same old every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.